This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director, Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. The latest Sasquheat market outlook sees some upside in markets due to damage being done to crops by drought in Western Europe. Michael Wilton with Mercantile Consulting compiled the market report for the Sasquheat website this week. He says the U.S. Department of Agriculture sees rising world wheat supplies, but traders believe it is overestimated. Wilton discusses the European harvest. Harvest in France has come to an early completion. Hot and dry weather ripened the crop quickly and aided harvest progress. The French Agmin says that yields were better than expected but a smaller seeded area will cause non-Durham wheat production to be 4% less than last year at 33.9 million tons. The wheat crop in Romania has been harvested. Production there was 15 to 18% less than last year's record crop due to higher input costs and drought conditions. The USDA decreased EU wheat production by 2 million tons to 132 million tons. The entirety of the decrease was taken from their trade number, which now sits at 33.5 million tons, or 1.5% more than last year. This export number is likely too low. EU exports are currently running 30% higher than last year, and the EU remains the world's cheapest and most reliable wheat exporter. FOB prices in the EU were 20 cents a ton higher in Germany and $1.10 higher in France. Moving over to the Black Sea, Russia's wheat harvest is 43% complete. Farmers have harvested 55.8 million tons of wheat, according to Russian government data. Yields are reported to be 30% higher than last year. Rain has impacted the quality of the Russian crop. 60% of the crop is expected to meet milling standards, compared to 82% last year. Russia is predicting their crop will be 90.5 to 95 million tons, compared to the USDA's new 88 million ton number. The USDA raised their export number for Russian wheat by 2 million tons to 42 million tons. This looks too high considering the quality implications and the fact the country can only export about 2 million tons of wheat per month. Similarly, the USDA's 11 million ton export number for Ukrainian wheat means the country needs to export 1 million tons of wheat per month for the remainder of the year. This will prove difficult. The very first Ukrainian wheat cargo left port on Friday. So far, there have been 14 ships able to leave Ukraine's ports, but until Friday, none of them contained any wheat. In conclusion, From a fundamental perspective, we think the markets should continue to have some upside based on the damage being done to the crops by the heat wave and drought in Europe. We think the USDA is overestimating global corn supplies, and this will mean more wheat will be used as feed. It should also be kept in mind that the crop is not yet in the bins. Traders think that the USDA overestimates global wheat supplies by upwards of 15 million tons. We are seeing some profit-taking today, but overall we think the prices will go higher 
unless there's a major change in the weather outlook. Wilton also raised concern about Canadian rail service this fall to export the ripening crop in Western Canada. Canada exported 235,000 tons of wheat in the first shipping week of the season. There is still 1.8 million tons of visible old crop supplies in the Canadian elevator system. This should keep export channels full until new crop is available. The large crop in Western Canada means that there will be lots of demand for allocation at the elevator, and we worry that rail service could be inadequate due to large coal shipments this fall. It would not hurt to start having conversations with your elevator managers about when you expect to be harvesting and when you will need to haul as per your contract. Michael Wilton compiles the weekly market report for the Sasquheat website. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6 Inch Eavestroffs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavestroffs.ca And your Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. For the second straight year, irrigators in the Outlook District will be dropping straw for livestock producers to use as feed for winter bedding. Matthew Lawless is a director with the South Saskatchewan Irrigation District Number 1. We have around 46,000 active acres under irrigation, mostly under center pivot irrigation. And the district extends all the way from uh, Lake Diefenbaker going uh, north of Broderick to the end of the boundary for the RM of Rudy, number 284, as far west along the riverbank at Outlook. And then we go east by Glenside. Fairly sizable district for sure. Lawless says many farmers have missed the rain in western areas. And that's the main driver behind this uh, straw drop initiative. We did it last year with the drought being so severe. Feedstocks and bedding are in short supply. And on irrigated land, because we have timely application of water, we have the consistency and the reliability of having the straw there. So we offer that straw up to the neighboring farming community who need it, and a lot of the livestock people are in need of it again this year, so that's why we're repeating it. Lala says there was good response last year. Absolutely. It was very well received last year, and a lot of work was done by the Ministry of Agriculture to support the initiative, uh, and the Irrigation District led the communication efforts between the livestock producers and the irrigators. A lot of straw was dropped and baled and uh, made use of last winter to get the herds through the winter. I would think it's going to be very well received again this year. You know, some of the drought conditions, especially in the southern part of the province, are very similar to what to what those producers experienced last summer. Lawless says a livestock producer needing straw can call the South Saskatchewan Irrigation District office and be lined up with a producer with excess straw. Part of uh, building a community is building relationships and strong relationships out of positivity. And there's a lot of livestock producers that would have kept the phone number and, and other contact information from irrigators that they dealt with last year. So that just strengthens the process and strengthens those relationships in the agriculture community. Matthew Lawless is a director with the South Saskatchewan Irrigation District Number 1. More information on the Straw Drop Initiative is available by calling the Irrigation District Office in Outlook at 306-867-9923. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. 
Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Hi, I'm Bernard Tobin. Welcome to the Corn School. How much nitrogen do farmers lose when they apply the nutrient in season? Is volatilization a significant problem? Could 4R management and urease inhibitors help? On this episode, we're going to visit with University of Guelph researcher Josh Nasalski and his team to see if we can find some answers to those questions. Now, in 2021-2022, Josh, you've been running nitrogen trials across Ontario. Tell us what you're up to. Tell us what you're hoping to learn. Sure, yeah, uh, no problem, Burn. So this is a fairly large trial, four locations across the province uh, with collaborators like Dave Hooker, John Lozon, Craig Drury. And uh, what we're looking at is how to manage fertilizer nitrogen better in corn. Uh, and this particular experiment, we're looking at what's the best way to minimize nitrogen losses from in-season applications using this 4R framework, looking at what's the right source and the right placement of nitrogen. Now, you've got uh, UAN, versus urea. Talk about how you got it all set up here. Absolutely. We have six different 4R treatments. So we're applying, the, we're applying different rates. I'll just talk about one rate today. We're applying one rate with six, uh, six different 4R treatments. Uh, surface applied urea, surface applied UAN, urea, uh, urea ammonium nitrate, with and without a urease inhibitor, agrotane. Okay. Then we also have uh, injected urea and injected UAN, about two inches below the soil surface. And that's not always say the most realistic um, for our treatment. You know, most farmers in season might be applying it on the surface, but we just wanted to compare how effective is a urease inhibitor versus injection. So in, in terms of in-season losses in Ontario, in-season nitrogen losses, the number one is uh, number one pathway is volatilization compared to anything like nitrous oxide or, or um, leaching. So we focus this experiment on measuring volatilization losses across those different source and placement treatments. So Josh, let's take a look at your 2021 research first. Tell us about the story at Ridgetown. Uh, sure, so at Ridgetown we had fairly high losses um, across those different treatments and you could definitely see the effect of that urease inhibitor as well as injecting uh, your urea or UAN. It lowered the losses and that lowered losses translated into higher yields. So you saw, we saw about 11 bushel yield response to using that inhibitor, uh, that uh, urease inhibitor at Ridgetown. Mm. Um, and so why were losses so high? We're still th thinking that through. When we looked at the weather data, we got lots of rainfall very soon after application. Um, but that urease inhibitor still proved its value in terms of yield and the reduction in, in the vol volatilization losses. Mm. So let's take a look at the Winchester data here, Josh. A much different story, especially the volatilization story. Exactly. So this is a pretty clear-cut example of the power of soil pH to regulate or determine how much losses you're getting from volatilization. So Winchester's pretty unique. It had a acidic soil, fairly unique in the data, or in our locations. It was one of the more acidic soils. And their volatilization losses overall were pretty low. Uh, but there was still that trend where if you use an inhibitor and if you injected, you had lower losses. But overall, losses were low across the board. And so when you looked at the yield data, it really didn't matter how you applied it. Uh, yields were pretty much similar across all those different application strategies. Mm. Now, I want to talk about um, some takeaways here. But before we get there, let's talk about your 2022 research. Yeah. Here at Alora, um, not complete yet, but you do have some interesting results in the early data. 
Yes. So 2022, we're, in, we're sitting here in August in 2022, so we don't have yield data yet. But thanks to JK and Zhang Wan uh, on the project, we do have volatilization data. So the soil here, soil pH is seven, seven and a half, what we measured. And we have much higher volatilization losses than either Ridgetown uh, or Winchester in 2021 last year. I think that's a pH thing. And when you look, especially without the inhibitors, if you're surface applying nitrogen, you had very high losses. And um, I, I have, it would be very surprising to me if that does not translate into lower yields in those, in those treatments that didn't get the inhibitors. Yeah. So final question for you overall, what you've seen obviously mm -hmm. last year and seeing this year, mm -hmm. what are the key takeaways? You know, what are the key messages for growers? Key messages are, um, I have a, there's a couple. So a farmer doesn't really have control over the weather. Um, and they don't really know when it's gonna rain. But what we found is even if you get really heavy rainfalls, like in Ridgetown in 2021, you can still get losses. Um, and so I think inhibitors, inhibitors can absolutely pay. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Mainly sunny today, wind southeast 20, the high 29 degrees. 60% chance of showers overnight, risk of a thunderstorm after midnight, the low 16. Wednesday, partly cloudy, 30% chance of showers late in the afternoon with risk of a thunderstorm. The high 27 tomorrow, 60% chance of evening showers, the low 12. Thursday, sunny, the high 26, the low 10. Friday, sunny, the high 27, the low 12. Saturday, sunny, the high 27, the low 12 again. Sunday, sunny and hotter, the high 31, the low 13. Monday, sunny, the high 30 degrees. Normal high for this date, 25, the normal low is 9. The sun rose at 548 this morning. It sets at 817 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now is Swift Current at 32 degrees. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids at 20. Estevan is 26, Saskatoon 31, Swift Current 32, Weyburn 26, and Yorkton 24. Once again, Regina, in Regina, pardon me, it's sunny and 26. That's 79 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the south at 11. Humidity is 64%, and the barometric pressure is dropping 101.8. Sunny and Moose Jaw, 30 degrees. Winds are from the southeast at 22. Once again, Regina, sunny and 26. That's 79 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. 
Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. The winner of this year's Environmental Stewardship Award will be announced tomorrow evening at the Canadian Beef Industry Conference in Penticton, B.C. The award, known as TESA for short, was established in 1996 to recognize beef cattle producers who play a significant role in protecting and enhancing the environment. They continuously strive to improve existing steward conservation practices to create a sustainable future always farming for tomorrow. Patty and Gerald Anhorn from Elrose are Saskatchewan's nominees for the TESSA Award. Patty Anhorn describes their operation. Our landscape here is rolling hills of native prairie. Um, we have buckbrush, but very few trees. It's home to countless species of birds, some of which are endangered, as well as moose, elk, coyotes, deer, just to name a few. Some of our biggest challenges here are very limited water supplies, low annual precipitation, and really harsh cold weather in the winter. Our annual precipitation is only around 12 to 14 inches, and in the last few years it's been more like half of that. Uh, so that definitely presents its challenges. We have strived to be leaders in environmental rangeland management, and to do this, we've taken advantage of government programs, uh, worked alongside conservation groups to help achieve our goals, and we are absolutely beyond honoured to be uh, chosen the Provincial TESA Award winners, and to be considered at a national level is such a pat on the back for the efforts that we have put in. Gerald talks about their conservation measures. Over the past 22 years, our goal has been to defer grazing on our native range till late August and prevent regrazing. This allows wildlife habitat to be undisturbed during critical periods in time. We have seeded 2,200 acres of uh, sensitive land back to perennial forage, did cross fencing to do rotational grazing, done extensive water development, including dugouts, drilling wells, developing springs and miles of shallow pipeline to disperse grazing. We uh, build wildlife friendly fence so it's, it's safer for them to pass through. We have learned what makes a uh, viable ranch also supports a sustainable ecosystem, a win-win situation. We have been involved with uh, Saskatchewan stock growers, a doctor rancher program, uh, local grazing boards and uh, have hosted rangeland assessment tours and recently done a bird and insect biodiversity study. We are proud to be stewards of the land and uh, have had the privilege of raising our children here and passing those values on to them. We were once asked by a fellow rancher, he said, uh, oh, what are we doing here? Is this a game preserve or what? And we love to ride through our grass waving in the wind. It's just, uh, it's very rewarding to see a really nice stand of native grass. It has been another dry year in the El Rose area. Precipitation this summer has been very poor, but Patty says their conservation measures have helped conserve valuable moisture. The measures we have put in place, like adapting the rotational grazing plan and developing so many more water sources so that we can further disperse our grazing. We have seen a great benefit in that. 
as of right now, we have not had to destock at all. We are able to manage just by, you know, running the cattle through the rotational grazing system quicker. And we feel the health of our grass, even with the limited rain we've had, like this year, two inches is all we've had. And we were still able to cut a hay crop. We are still grazing our cattle on the uh, tame grass right now. And we will still defer grazing into August, early September. So without a doubt has been a benefit to have used these type of management practices. Gerald was asked if other beef cattle operations in his area have adopted or are looking at some of their management practices. We have some neighbors to the east of us here that have uh, have had cross fence installed for years and have done a lot of rotational grazing. There is a huge community pasture to the south of us that we've done lots of projects in and cross fenced and running shallow pipeline. As for ranches in our area that are implementing these practices, there's just a handful, but uh, people definitely notice the difference and we get all kinds of comments on our grass when people come to work with us in the spring for uh, branding and weaning and the fall so uh, people notice and ask questions and I guess that that's a good thing if they can see results that other people are getting they're curious and there's steps that can be taken to improve things and uh, our biggest problem right now is, is rainfall but the biggest thing is if you can stockpile and prepare yourself for years like this, and you don't want to have a whole bunch of them, but if you have a few, maybe you can get through it. Gerald and Patty Anhorn raise beef cattle in the Elrose area, about 325 kilometers northwest of Regina. The Anhorns are one of six nominees from across the country for the 2022 Environmental Stewardship Award. The winner will be announced tomorrow night at the Canadian Beef Industry Conference in Penticton, B.C. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com A terrible storm Saturday evening caused extensive damage in the Calvington area, about 250 kilometers northeast of Regina. Crops were flattened and grain bins damaged. The co-op gas barn Calvington lost part of its roof. Many in the Calvington Lintlaw area were without power for 24 hours. The damage and destruction to grain bins creates many issues with harvest coming soon. Seven western U.S. states face a deadline from the federal government to come up with a plan to use substantially less Colorado River water in 2023. The U.S. Bureau of Reclamation is expected to publish hydrology projections that will trigger agreed-upon cuts for states relying on the river. States face the threat of proposing additional cuts or having them mandated by the federal government. Prolonged drought, climate change and overuse are jeopardizing the water supply that more than 40 million people rely upon. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Go from backyard blah to backyard beautiful with landscaping products from Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. 
and Saz Pork working on behalf of Saskatchewan hog producers, and Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years, see Nelson GM today. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading. Viterra prices for feed barley fell ten dollars at two sixty two eighty seven. Canola dropped fifteen forty at seven fifty nine forty two. Lentils declined six dollars at seven twenty five fifty. Number one red spring wheat went down three twenty five at three eighty one forty nine. The rest unchanged. Durham 408.62, chickpeas 925.95, flax 627.67, oats 296.53, yellow peas 442.89, and feed wheat 299.56. At Minneapolis, September spring wheat fell eight and a quarter cents at 902 and a half cent a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of August 16th. Our last regular sale was on August 3rd. The market on butcher cattle has been holding steady. They're still selling well. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1.07 to $1.18. D3 cows sold from $0.90 to $1.05. Canner cows sold from $0.60 to $0.80. Heifer sold from $1.35 to $1.55 and good butcher bulls sold from $1.25 to $1.45. We had our first pre-sorted yearling, se- uh, yearling sale of the season. Wow, what a time to be in the business. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged $2.37 and sold it to $2.45. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged $2.41 and sold it to $2.45. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $2.46 and sold it to two dollars and fifty-eight cents. Seven hundred to eight hundred pound steers averaged two dollars and thirty-nine cents and sold it to two dollars and fifty-eight cents. Eight hundred to nine hundred pound steers averaged two dollars and twenty-six cents and sold it to two dollars and thirty-eight cents. And steers over nine hundred pounds averaged two dollars and nine cents and sold it to two dollars and thirty cents. Heifers were about fifteen to twenty cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of seven hundred pound black steers at two dollars and fifty-six cents a pound, a load of eight hundred pound black steers at two dollars and thirty-seven cents a pound, a load of nine hundred pound exotic steers at two dollars and thirty cents a pound, a load of nine hundred and eighty pound exotic steers at two dollars and fourteen cents a pound, a load of seven hundred pound red heifers at two dollars and twenty-eight cents a pound, a load of eight hundred pound exotic heifers at two dollars and nineteen cents a pound, and a load and a half of nine hundred pound exotic heifers at two dollars and nine cents a pound. This has been Stephanie Dig reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, today's quotes, two seventy two fifty one per CKG. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. The Saskatchewan government says it will allow all all Ukrainian newcomers with a valid work permit to be eligible for job grant and training subsidy funds. Immigration Minister Jeremy Harrison says Saskatchewan needs workers and employer-driven training programs to ensure there is a skilled workforce to keep building a strong province. 
In March, Ottawa created a special residence pathway for Ukrainians to live, work and study in Canada. Saskatchewan employers face job vacancies, skill shortages and want to offer employment in support of Ukrainians can seek provincial training funding for work permit holders. More than 1,500 displaced Ukrainians have arrived in Saskatchewan since the Russian invasion in February. The latest figures show Saskatchewan wholesale trade growth is leading the nation. The value of wholesale trade jumped 65% between June of last year and June 2022, the highest increase among all provinces. This is well ahead of the national average of 12%. The total value of Saskatchewan wholesale trade reached $4.2 billion in June 2022. Other growth areas in the past year include manufacturing sales jumped by 25%, building construction investment up 63%, and merchandise exports up 57% in the past year. On the markets, the TSX is up 85 points to 20,265. The Dow has risen 270 points to 34,182. Oil has fallen 260 at 86.81 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 77.80 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything egg. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.